0: I used to always wonder why does silence make people uncomfortable it's as if we're normalizing these voices we're normalizing always thinking something when we should be normalizing silence it's not about being in a state of nothingness it's about being in a state of awareness, of awareness. beautiful souls welcome back to silent hour podcast i am your host shamina hayes and this is episode two we are kicking off the first day of the month with our first read together the untethered soul by michael a singer and as i mentioned in the introductory episode this book is broken down into five parts so this week we'll be reflecting on part one awakening consciousness I'm super excited about part one because the author walks us through awareness and pure consciousness and, you know, explains that it's that that's how that that's the key to freedom and coming to know who we truly are. And in this episode, we'll break it all down together. So let's start by defining consciousness. What does it mean to be conscious? I pulled Two definitions from the dictionary. The first is consciousness is the state of being awake and aware of one's surrounding. And the second is consciousness is the fact of awareness by the mind of itself and the world. And both both of these definitions include this word awareness and I want us to keep that in mind as we navigate through this episode and part one of this book. So let's dig in. So, Michael starts the first part of the book talking about this inner voice. You know this voice he's talking about. I think, I think we all hear it. I think it's pretty safe to say that we all have a love-hate relationship with this inner voice. It plays both sides of the fence. One minute it's positive, then it's negative, then it's positive again. This voice has the ability to drive us insane if we let it. And... I think this voice thinks it runs our life. And as Michael states, it's the voice that never shuts up. So let's ask ourselves, what do we think of these voices in our head? Are are you personally an avid listener to the voice? Do you identify yourself and who you are with the voice? And when the voice speaks, how can we figure out which voice is telling the truth about who we are? And the answer to that is we can't figure it out because that voice isn't us. That voice isn't who we are. Those voices aren't who we are. Let's reference um, page 10. Michael says, there is nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of the mind. You are the one who hears it. Hmm, but what does that really mean? Like, why is it even there if it's not us? And whose voice is it? And, and why do we hear it? So he mentions that to answer that question, we must understand why it says what it says when it says it. So basically, becoming an observer of this voice when it starts speaking, I would try to keep a small notebook with you every time a thought Populates do nothing else but write down what it's saying and you know what you're doing at the time and what emotional state you're in when it says what it says and then there will be times when nothing is happening around us or in us but the voice still speaks the voice is still narrating everything that we're experiencing so if nothing's wrong with me and i actually feel good why are you still talking right So the author writes, narration makes you feel more comfortable with the world around you and makes you feel as though things are more in your control. He describes this inner world as an alternate environment that is under our control and fits together inside our mind. We basically recreate the world within our minds because we can control our mind whereas we can't control the world. And let's keep, that, let's keep that in mind. Let's keep in mind that, one, we can control our mind, and two, that we can't control the world. We can't control the world, but we definitely can control how we respond to it, right? So the question is, why do we feel the need to control our outer environment? Example, the world. Because if we didn't feel the need to control the world, we wouldn't be recreating our experiences in our minds all the time. So page 13, he says, when we recreate the outside world inside of ourselves and then live in in our mind. I'm sorry. Let me read that again. He says, we recreate the outside world inside of ourselves and then live in our minds instead of just consciously observing the world. But why? What's the point of doing this? Why does the mind have to verbalize everything that it sees? And so, as I was reading this, I began to compare this inner voice to a sports commentator. If you don't know what that is, it's a person who delivers a play-by-play on a sporting event. So, when the mind verbalizes everything, we when the mind verbalizes everything we're experiencing, it's basically like walking around with a, a commentator all day long giving you a play by play of everything you're seeing, everything you're feeling, hearing, smelling and tasting. Now, the beneficial thing about a sports commentator is sometimes they'll comment on a play that we in fact did not see. You know, something we we missed it because we looked away for a minute or whatever the case might be. But but this inner voice is never going to comment or fill you in on something that you missed. Why? Because We're the ones who is is experiencing everything. We're the one who is seeing everything, who's tasting everything, who's feeling everything, hearing and smelling everything. We're the ones who is actually hearing the voice. So really, this voice serves no real purpose. It's, It's incessant chatter is basically sabotaging us of peace. It's causing us to judge and put a label on everything, whether it be a bird, a tree, a car, another person, or even ourselves. When we are in pure awareness, when we learn to silence these voices, we learn to just let things be as they are. We accept things and people for who and what they truly are without any labels. We don't need to judge and react to people or things to make sense of the world. That's basically what we're doing, right? We manipulate the world and everything in it based off our perception of it so that it makes sense in our minds instead of just being in a world that just is. So on page 12, Michael writes, what you end up experiencing is really a personal perception of the world according to you rather than the stark unfiltered experience of what is really out there. When we judge and draw conclusions from things the way we see it our mind starts to tell us what's right what's wrong what's good what's bad how things should be how things should go and sometimes we go a step further and try to convince others to see things how we see things and what that is 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 that's 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 the egoic mind that's the ego taking over the ego is robbing us of the moment how can we possibly be living and enjoying a moment in its fullness if we're constantly narrating it, going back and forth with this inner voice and or somebody else? Why can't every moment just be something we are consciously experiencing? experiencing? You ever find yourself in silence with someone and, and you get the urge to ask you know, the other person, what are you thinking about? You ever? Do you ever find that if they answer and say nothing, we think it's a lie? Or I should say our ego mind says it's a lie. Because really, who could actually be sitting there enjoying a moment and not thinking about absolutely nothing? And, and that's sarcasm, by the way, because a conscious person who is just existing, who is at peace and experiencing a moment, fully can. And you know, I used to always wonder... Why does silence make people uncomfortable? It's as if we're normalizing these voices. We're normalizing always thinking something. When we should be normalizing silence. It's not about being in a state of nothingness. It's about being in a state of awareness. When we consciously observe the outer world as it is, we'll begin to feel more open and exposed. When we no longer identify with that inner voice and all of its labels and judgments and, and drama, we experience freedom. And we learn that with awareness, we cannot be affected by anything. And that goes for, you know, the problems and the disturbances in our life. Page 16, Michael says, to attain, to attain true inner freedom, you must be able to objectively watch your problems instead of being lost in them. He also says the first problem you have to deal with is your own reaction. You will not be able to solve anything outside until you own how the situation affects you on the inside. In other words, when a problem or a disturbance arise in our lives, we should, be, we should become aware of it, observe it, observe our reaction to it. Then instead of going outward and blaming other people for it, go inward and ask ourselves, why is this really making me feel this way? When you do this, you know, you separate yourself from the mind and the emotion. You are not angry, you feel angry. You are not sad, you feel sad. Because if you're able to observe something objectively, it means that you are not it. It's just something that you are experiencing. When you approach disturbances and problems this way, eventually, I think, you know, we'll see that the real cause of problems is not life itself it's the commotion the mind makes about life that really causes the problem and all these inner melodramas because really problems begin in our minds which which comes from how we are perceiving and reacting to life our mind is where the problem begins and exists nowhere else a a problem or what we perceive as a problem is actually just a situation that is going differently than how we thought it should go or be and I think I think we can alleviate said problems in our minds with just awareness and acceptance if if we are able to raise our awareness on this and catch our thoughts before we start identifying with them and just be an observer of these disturbances most of the time we'll come to realize that there is no problem that everything just is and when we realize this we learn grace we learn peace and we learn inner inner freedom And reading part one, I don't think Michael is saying we should be robots and walk around mindless, emotionless, or thoughtless, ignoring, you know, all the chaos around us. It's okay to think and feel because it's going to happen. The voices will come, thoughts will arise, but we don't have to entertain them. The powerful thing about us is we all have a choice. We can either choose to control our thoughts or... We can choose to let our thoughts control us. And I don't want us to ever think that we are incapable of controlling our thoughts because that in fact is one of the many lies these inner voices tell us. So I want to get into the truth real quick. I'm going to get into the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. If we are able to take something captive, it means we have or are in control of it, right? So the truth is we have control over our thoughts. We have the ability to take a thought captive, become aware of them, change or examine them without them being a threat to our lives and who we really are. And so just as we are all capable of controlling our thoughts we are all capable of awareness because without awareness as Michael explained we would cease to exist and I think this is why meditation stillness and silence is so fulfilling and powerful because during this practice we come back to us we come back to who we are we become aware of the one who is aware Without this awareness of who we really are and who is the one really experiencing the outer world, we'll get lost. We'll get lost in both worlds—the inner and outer world. I like with um, I liked what Dane Doctor Wayne Dyer says. He says, he tells us to make peace with silence and remind ourselves that it is in this space that we'll come back to remember our spirit. And honestly, that's, that's the beauty in silence. It's so liberating when we come back to ourselves and who we truly are at the core. To know that we are not any of these thoughts, we are not any of these labels we attach to our sense of identity. To know that we just are. We just are. And that's what silent hour is all about. It's about remembering to get back to us. Reminding ourselves to get back to us. And so, the last chapter of part one, page 37, the author writes The more you are willing to just let the world be something you are aware of, the more it will let you be who you are the awareness, the self, the Atman, the soul. And I love that. I love that. And I love knowing that this is my journey. We are all on a personal journey and awareness is not the destination. Awareness is what we are. Awareness is who we are. So let us all get out of our minds and into our life so that we can step into our power and fulfill the purpose God has set for us all. Beautiful. I want to thank you all for journeying with me through part one of this book next week we will be reflecting on part two which is experience and energy um i hope that this first part resonated with you and that there's something that you're able to take from this from today's episode and apply and practice in your life and and if there and if there is something that you were take if there is something that you're able to take Please share and pass that on to someone else because knowledge is meant to be shared. Also, please, if you haven't done so already, subscribe and rate this podcast. Share on social media. Tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe and follow me on Instagram at silenthour.sh. This is how we will grow as a community and potentially help somebody else on their journey. Okay, so I hope you all have a fulfilling week. And remember that when you silence the mind, the soul will speak. Be kind, be still, be loved, be light, and just be. Until next week.